The Mighty Whites podcast is recorded at the Medicine Room Studios. For more information, visit medicineroomstudios.com. Just imagine that there's an intro video because we still don't have one. Welcome to episode 91 of the Mighty Whites podcast. As always, I'm Jack, joined by KC. Hello. Uh, we will be joined by Andy Watson in a bit. We're getting we're talking about the Everton game first because he is coming in from outside. There's no point being here for this. And also, and more importantly, he has a small child that he has to put to bed. Uh, so, fuck it. Straight, straight into it because it was great. Everton nil. Leeds United won. Uh, Rafinha was a 79th minute winner. This was great. Uh, yeah, definitely a lot more positive since we actually got the goal. Uh, because at times it did feel a lot like the Arsenal game in as much as we, we were dominating the play, we, we were creating the better chances. But um, the, I think as the game wore on, there was the concern that we were going to go, it, that it was going to turn into a much more entertaining version of George Graham's leads of the most entertaining nil-nils you'll ever see. Um, but yeah, thankfully, Rafinha pops up with a, a cheeky nutmeg and a goal. Yeah, I, I did put it on a thing. Just, it was a, it's a bit of a weird one because we were defensively a lot more susceptible than we were against Arsenal. But I think a lot of that has to do with Everton having a bit more of a go than Arsenal did. Even with 11 men, Arsenal weren't really very adventurous or anything. Uh, I think, I think but defensively... Like how it, yeah, how it was only 1-0... I'm not sure. <laughs> um, I've, I've said it before, and I've said it to you. XG is bollocks, mate. Yep. Give, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Needs to be, we need to bin off this Bielsa football. 4-4-2, long ball. <laughs> uh, but no, I, like we played some really, really good stuff in this game. Uh, and, oh, he must have got, by the looks of it, Andy has entered the chat, so he'll be ready in a sec. Uh this game, I've, it wasn't just the performance and that we only got one goal. It's just that when we play like that, you just it, it, I started to get that little seed of doubt in my head of, are we going to find a way to fuck this up and get dragged into a relegation battle? <laughs> and I watched that game and thought, no, surely we are too good for that at the minute. Now, it doesn't mean anything. There's been good teams of made a mess of it and gone down before, but I just watch us and think, I don't think we're going to suddenly rush up there and be sixth or anything, but I think we'll be absolutely fine. And I'd tech be absolutely fine playing Bielsa football over over most things, to be honest. Yeah, I, I mean, I do feel like over the last few weeks, the fullbacks have kind of learnt from the, the Leicester and Palace games and without it really affecting the way we play, I just I think they're playing more sensibly. At the moment, I th- you know, I think Luke Ayling especially is has probably been a little bit more conscious of of when he pushes up and, and when not to. And um, you know, I think from that regard, we've kind of looked less susceptible on, on the counter attack. Not not to say that there weren't chances for Everton that way, but uh, I was less concerned with them getting in behind and us only having two at the back. Um, I, th- I think defensively, for me, my only concern has, has been set pieces you know you, I think we saw it against Palace we've seen it again today That uh, sorry not today against Everton um, 
and I don't know if it's an organizational issue or, or what it is. Um, but that's that's kind of where we we looked at, at our weakest at times. Yeah, they did, they did get a few chances from set pieces. Obviously, I mean they had a few chances overall. There was the early Decore chance, which I think you can just straight up say was just Liam Cooper's fault. He just left a ball that he could have intercepted, and Tom Davies got in behind. Uh, but speak that was a wonderful save from Melier, who. The more I watch him, the more I think, can you just be number one until you're about 35? <laughs> can we start, Can we sign a younger version of you for just in case? No, nah, it's not football manager, mate. You don't, you don't have a 20-year-old first-choice keeper and go, I think I need, a, I think I need an 18-year-old to sit on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait, sorry, my bad. I'm football manager. You never put a keeper on the bench. Uh, the main, All right, about- Warnock. You were on about the fullbacks, and the thing I found interesting about it, fullback wise, wasn't so much the right side; it was the left side, with Dallas and Alioski kind of dovetailing in that role. Because they well, Stuart, both, I mean, Stuart, Stuart Dallas was everywhere again. Yeah, well, to be honest, they both were because Dallas, when Dallas followed in, Alios, Alioski played some bits at central midfield as well. It was, I think, it's just from the man marking. I think it's because James Rodriguez moves around so much, and Dallas just stayed with him. Yeah. So wherever he was, Everton would want to push a player into that right wing space. You know, whether it was Davis pushing forward or whether Decore went out there. So you always ended up with a Leeds player in the left back spot, even if it wasn't the quote unquote left back. Yeah. But I've, I thought that uh, I thought Alioski was really good actually, and because of that, uh, I've got it here as a question that I've written down. But does Rodrigo get back in this side for the next game? I mean, for me, yes. Because I think we still lacked that cutting edge up front. You know, there wasn't... I know Bamford had a couple of chances, but I, I still think we just we just miss that that little extra up front, that, you know, that little bit extra creativity. Um, I, I was very surprised that Rodrigo wasn't on by the hour mark and even more surprised that he wasn't on after 70 minutes or any amount of minutes after that to be honest but yeah for, for me I, I still think he's got to play yeah I to be honest I agree I, I expected him to be back in and I, I expected him to be on in the, in the hour mark as well and I was to be honest just on the just on the verge of saying like I put on Twitter I can't believe that we haven't made this change yet but now the more I uh, the more I think about it the more I think now nah, there's no way he starts against Chelsea we just, oh, I, I, I don't think he starts, but, you know, it's very much one of those again. Where, and, I, and I I can't imagine there was too many Leeds fans anywhere who weren't calling for Rodrigo to be on after an hour with the amount of chances we'd had and not taken. So, but but again, it is very much the NBL, so we trust, you know, he, he's and, and not, I don't even mean that in just a, a blind faith sort of way. We won't the man got the tactics absolutely spot on. Alioski, like you say, had a very good game. We did, you know, I thought defensively outside of a couple of set pieces and, and outside of being troubled by genuinely quality players, you know, I don't think the defence put, you know, put much of a foot wrong for most of the night. I, I thought no. it was two good attacking teams against against each other. And that's, you know, when you've got players like Calvert-Lewin in the form he's in, and Rodriguez, who is on his day, you know, an absolutely fantastic player. 
they are going to cause you problems. And that's I don't think that's down to defensive errors. I think that's to the to Everton's quality. Yeah, they are really good. I thought we did really well against Calvert Lewin. When a long ball went to him, he still looked too strong for Cock and Cooper. But for that sort of thing, he's he's gonna trouble any centre back really. He's really good at it. But overall, I thought we kept him really quiet. Um, I thought they missed Luca Dean at left back. Uh, I mean, because you, you called that one. You called that one spot on as well. Did I? You, I, I yeah. Do, I well, just in just in terms of one, <laughs> how much they'd missed Dean here. But you also called it in terms of the team selection, moving a Wobie across and bringing, uh, was it Davies that came in? I'm surprised. I, I, doubt, I don't think I'll have said Davies. I might, I might have said John Joe Kenny. I don't think I'll have said that because I remember being surprised at Tom Davies playing wing back. Um, mm. But I, I knew that they'd play Wobie because he did play well there against Fulham. But I think that they really did miss Dinia and the lack of his quality crosses, I think, really affected Calvert Lewin. Uh, I mean, we could get into the disallowed goals, but there was two for them, one for us, and they were all correct. So there's not really much to say about them. The only other things with the game is, first of all, Leeds being so much better defensively. We've said that the centre-backs were good, but is the difference just having Calvin Phillips back? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, d- I, d- I don't want uh, to be dropping names on here, but I was you know, I was on LUTV earlier today with Ben Parker, and, and that was that was the question he asked, is, is oh, how much ben- difference... Ben Parker, massive name. <laughs> um, but that was one of the questions. Say was was just how much better do we look with with Calvin Phillips back? And you know, I said before about the the Leicester and the Crystal Palace games. I, as much as I like Pascal Stroik and as much as he's come on as a player over the last six seven months or whatever it is, he is not a Calvin Phillips replacement. I, you know. I'm of the opinion that Calvin Phillips is probably, you know, in the top two players in that role in the division. I, th- I think he's genuinely that good. So yeah, he will be, you know, he will be missed. Mm. He will be missed. You made it sound like his dad. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other thing is, and the way I described it on Twitter worked, this was a question. How good is Rafinha? Now I put on Twitter, the only player better in world football than Rafinha is Rafinha on Football Manager? <laughs> it was so, it was something daft like twenty five goals, twenty assists in the first <laughs> season. It was, as, See, I, as, I, as Leeds I, rocketed to second place, you know, I'm basically Marcelo Bielsa. Um, but I have not been this excited about a player at Leeds since I was a child. I don't think. I, th- I think he has l- everything. The one thing I wasn't sure about was his aerial ability and that l- leaping like a salmon to force a great save out of Pickford brought that in as well. <laughs> to be honest, when you... When you I, I feel like it's a football manager scouting report on any player other than central midfielders when it says oh, his heading ability leaves a lot to be desired and you just look at it going, I don't give a shit. I, yeah. he's, he's not the sort of player I really need to care about his aerial ability. It's a bonus. Um, yeah. But well, it, as you've as you've mentioned it, seeing as you're talking about scout reports, oh, oh, you know, I may as seamless. well press this button. Absolutely seamless. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Andy Watson. Yeah. Hi, Jack. Okay, see. How are we doing? Yeah. Good. Thanks, mate. Yeah. How are you? Really good. Yeah. Really yeah. good. It's Been good to have you. So straight time, straight into it. How good is Rafinha? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, no, he's exceptional, isn't he? And you know, you say about his 
been the most exciting sign that you can think of for a long time. And, and I, I probably agree with that for Leeds, to be honest. He looks just exceptional. He's slotted in. You know how difficult it is to slot into Bielsa teams as well. Like He doesn't do it just for anybody. And for him to come in and, and make such an impact early doors is, can be nothing but good for Leeds United, I think. Yeah, there's very few players that have uh, made it into the starting lineup and looked settled that quickly with Bielsa. Yeah. I'd say Barry Douglas, when he first joined, who you will oh, be hello. very yeah, aware of as a Blackburn yeah. fan, uh, he was one of the few. When he signed, he went straight into the team. And although there were problems with Douglas, it wasn't the way he fit into the team. It was basically just a lack of pace. Outside of that, he really did fit in well with the system. Yeah. But Rafinha's just so dangerous, isn't he? He's dangerous from anywhere from 30 yards out. The way that he's forming those shots just look absolutely quality. And like you say, he's even threatening in the air now. So what is there that he can't do? I've seen your uh, football manager um, <laughs> screenshot as well, where he absolutely dominated. So the guys, uh, um, you know, Miles Jacobson and the boys obviously rate him very highly as well. And obviously you, you brought me on here talking about five yards and um, the transfer rules that are going to be coming in. But he's not on the five yards platform yet, but he has been requested by at least a couple of people, probably Leeds fans. Um and he will be being put on there when we get crowned to just analysing how magnificent he is. So you can't expect him to go on there cheaply, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he will be real. He will be one that I'll be looking at for certain. We'll get into the five yard stuff properly in a bit. Um, was there really anything else from the game that you took from it, Casey? Um. You know, like you say, Rafinha was so exciting again. I think his, his run in about the second minute when he just accelerated away from everybody um, was great. But no, like you say, it, it's it's so nice to... I, th- I think the only thing you found funny was um, was it around the 70th minute when uh, we were told that apparently Leeds were tiring, which I, wish I, found, which I just found laughable. Yeah, like, well... Just, uh, what people assume is going to happen just because of Bielsa's style, that they expect his teams to tire. Sure, that's just a statement that keeps coming up over and over again. I've not I, seen it from weeks. I feel stuff like that is it's it's those people that didn't watch Leeds last or in the last two seasons mm-hmm. under Bielsa and have heard a lot of things and, and, and seen clips. And, and I think at times you can tell the the pundits that, that have watched us on a fairly consistent basis and those that have kind of gone off highlight reels and and mm. hearsay about the, the quote-unquote Bielsa burnout. Well, yeah. I, wasn't gonna, I was going to be the bigger man and not bring it up, but as you brought up pundits, Graham Souness. Calvin Phillips will only be a top defensive midfielder if he starts adding more goals to his game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I found it laughable. I was like, you not only... On. Not only do you get paid for your opinion, you've been getting paid for it for a long time. And I just I, I couldn't believe what I was hearing from him. To be honest, <laughs> yeah. it's it's in the job title though, isn't it? A defensive midfielder. And you know, I I don't know what more you want from that title. It it very much indicates his role in the team. All, and, it, taught me, all it taught me is that uh, Graham Souness think Claude McAlealy was a load of shite. <laughs> <laughs> He does ship people with the odd goal as well, doesn't he? Colin Phillips. He's done it a couple of times. I know yeah, he's not prolific. But... He got two last season. He used to score more when he played further forward before, he went, B- 
when before he was, the else assured is his calling. Before he really knew what sort of a midfielder he was, he didn't do a whole lot in games, but but was prone to scoring an absolute screamer every now and again. And then yeah, Bielsa no. taught him how to play football properly, cut out that silly stuff of scoring goals and just focus on the defensive work. And, and I'm okay with that. I just, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to stray into dangerous territory here. I've been only listened to the first 10 minutes. Have you still got that stat of the, the X3, Jack? That you can just uh, yeah, I've got it here. The um, and I believe, Casey, you're not a massive fan of X3 now? <laughs> Uh, it's not that I'm not a fan I, I kind of make fun of it a little bit especially with Leeds' stats over the last couple of years yeah. um, he basically it's, thinks it's witchcraft <laughs> <laughs> no I, I you know I, I fully I fully know how it how it's formed and, and, and the fact it does I think it's up there with when people bang on about a team's possession I think as, lo- as long as it's put into the context of the game properly then it is an effective stat. I think just on on its own basis, I don't think you can you know, solely rely on it. But yeah. um, I mean, it's like, for instance, I'll I'll say it out loud for the audio people: Everton one point four nine leads three point three eight. This yeah. one is one of the days where it's a better measure than some, because obviously sometimes you'll get a game where there's it's one nil after five minutes and the team just sits back, and you can end up with like one and a half xg without ever looking like scoring. I always think of the obviously ten man Everton where we got ten man Everton. That's because I read the word Everton. Ten man Wigan, where you know we had RXG for that game was four point summer, and I don't think we ever once looked like scoring. It's yeah. just that Everton camped on the edge of a box and we had forty odd bad shots. I think, it just, <laughs> I think we just need to think of it as not necessarily even expected goals. You got to think of it as. These, these are the quality of chances that you're creating over the course of time. So, you know, Leeds is XG numbers. You can say you're underperforming them, whatever. Obviously, you won enough games to go up comfortably last season winning the title. And if you're creating the, that many chances in a game in the Premier League and you're going to keep doing that because of the type of side that you are, then you're going to score a lot of goals, which means you're going to win a lot of games. Well, not lose a lot of games, I guess, mm. is a better way of putting it. And if you, you're starting to get a little bit tighter defensively, which is starting to... Well, maybe the last game was good, but the previous games weren't. Um, well, that that was one of the weird things. The, we conceded a lower XG against Palace, losing 4-1, than we did against Yeah, Everton. Yeah, and sometimes that, that'll happen. That's why XG over one game is a lot of shite a lot of times. But yeah. I think, you know, seeing it the way that since Bielsa started, it started straight away for him. The, the XG just looked sensational. The XG ratio, especially taking into account how little chances you were actually conceding and how many you were creating, just marked you out as an amazing team from the second it came in. I remember that first game. It was just, who was it against? Someone who was expected to to do the title that uh, the, first season. The, the first Bielsa game was yeah. the 3-1 three, three win at home against Stoke who'd just come down. Yeah, exactly. At the time, were the tips to go up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, even from that very moment, he, that that just kind of set the tone. So mm. you're definitely kind of back where you belong now. And um, I think you, you mentioned earlier about going up to sixth. I mean, I, why not? Like if you keep creating chances and scoring goals, and people get and your players get used to the Premier League, then you, you've got more chance of finishing sixth than being relegated, in my opinion. Do you do you think stats like XG and and chances created things like that are kind of the best way I can think to put it is that they're almost more money ball stats now that kind of are indicators that 
that either directors of football or, or managers will look at for especially attacking players when they're looking to as a better informant of goals that could be reliably scored by a player as opposed to just goals and assists now. Yeah, definitely. I think it's now a mixture of the two. You don't just look at the goals anymore. You've got to look at the XG and see where that kind of tallies up alongside the goals. And also for XA, XA is obviously expected assists, or not just another word for like expected chances created. So I think, you know, obviously let's just take Bamford as an example, since we're on Leeds. His XG last season was incredibly high compared to the number of goals that he scored. But that's and that's kind of almost ride itself in the Premier League. Over the course of time, Bamford will score a lot of goals for Leeds, but so will quite a lot of players who play up front for Leeds because of the quality of chances that your team, that the, the tactic, that the the system that Bielsa can put in, and the quality of players that you've got can provide for that front player. Now it's got to have someone with the movement of Bamford and the intelligence of Bamford to be able to get himself into the right position, and then it's down to look, you know, a few other different things. But no one could look at the the way that Bamford started this season and go, well, it, we didn't expect that completely because of the, the numbers that he was putting up. So it's always going to write itself a little bit. And, to, you know, to answer your question more directly, I'm pretty certain that all um, recruitment departments now take into account their XG just as much, or if not more, that's so, than the, the goals that they actually score. Well, the useful thing with the XG is that, especially when you're looking at strikers, it's not just showing, it'll show for some players as well as like how many chances to get movement, stuff like that. You'll also get to see, that's the best way to spot an, a proper elite finisher. Mm-hmm. And I know that it might just be someone running hot, but if someone like two seasons, three seasons in a row is miles above their XG, if you can get that player in a team that creates a lot of chances... Even if they have an off-season, they're going to get plenty. Yeah. I think you've seen that with the elite players, that they're constantly running above their XG. And the reason for that is that they're just better at finding the net. Like that's just what they are able to do. And, and that's why they cost the big bucks as well. Yeah, I was uh, I was trying to very quickly in the background get up what Patrick Bamford's Sorry, did price I try is in five yards. answer your question fully enough there, that giving you enough time to... <laughs> no, it's just... <laughs> I, I'm still, I am still getting to grips with the five yards website. You see, oh right, Cause, okay. Because I was yeah. going to transition into it, but because I know Patrick Bamford is one of the players who is on it, he is indeed, yeah. Uh, and he is priced at eighteen million pounds, which yes. is not particularly high, I wouldn't say, based on what I've had a quick look at so far. Yeah, so um, yeah, you've got I think seven players on their leads at the moment. Um, so we've got Bamford, like I say, the most expensive person to buy on, on the platform is Ilan Melier um, at 29 mil. you got Calvin Phillips on there at 18. And they kind of all group then, Phillips, Bamford, Perveda, uh, Harrison, Rodrigo, all uh, 17 or 18 mil. And then Robin Cock is on there as well at 14 million. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's seven Leeds players at the moment, but there's been a lot more requested. Shall yeah. I launch into the hole? Yeah, definitely, la- definitely launch into your spiel. I have, you, you of course, will have the perfect understanding of how it works. I have signed up. I've had a little go myself to get started today because to transfer windows. Are they Tuesday and Friday or Tuesday and Thursday? I can't remember. Tuesday and Friday. Tuesday and Friday. Uh, so I've had my first little go at it today. 
But um, it, it really does look like an interesting proposition. I'm quite looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, I think it, kind of the genesis of the idea, it wasn't my idea. I've just kind of been brought on board for the last few months or so um, to look at the scouting side of things. <clears throat> but the, the, the initial brainchild, I think, came from the idea that a lot of people like football index and like fantasy football. So more of a long-term sort of investment, if you like to call it that in football index or, you know, free play also in, in fantasy football and to kind of take the idea of those things, but root it in the real world. So the values that you see on the five yards website are all, you know, calculated by the amount of performance pay that a player will accrue for the, for the course of the career. So, Taking the example of Patrick Bamford, you earn performance pay if you start in a game that your team wins, if you score a goal, or if you make an assist. So those are the three ways that you can get performance pay. And you only get that if you play in the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga, Bundesliga, Liga, or the Championship. Now, the amount of money that you get for each one of those, <clears throat> excuse me, um, depends on the quality of the league that you play in. So the Premier League is classed as the highest le level until you get into Europe and then the Champions League is above that. So what we kind of take into account in terms of pricing players is how many times over the course of the rest of their career are they going to be in a team that wins? Are they going to score a goal or make an assist? So that 18 million that you're talking about, Patrick Pumford, that's what we've kind of calculated or worked out by looking at the quality of Bamford, the quality of the team that he currently plays for, and then kind of mapping out the rest of his career. And what is he, 27 now? 26, uh, 27? I want to say 27, but I'm not actually 100% sure. So he's probably got another, what, five, six years at the very top. Then maybe he might drop maybe down into the championship again. Who knows? Um, but that's kind of the fun of it. So the question is, if you're going to, if you're going to put some money in Bamford, if you're going to buy Bamford for your squad on the Five Yards platform, do you think that 18 million is a fair representation of the, the performance pay he's going to get for the rest of his career? Hmm. It's £130,000 that you get per win, per goal and per assist. So it becomes quite mathematical in a way if you're going to invest in him. It's not just, you know, are you going to, do you think he's worth 18 million? You have to start thinking about, well, how many years has he got left at Leeds? Are Leeds going to be successful? You know, are we going to, is he going to be starting games regularly? So there's quite a lot to go into it, really. And that's what we do on the scouting side, is try and come up with the right numbers to generate this value. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and the, the, just for people at home, like, obviously he's saying 18 million. To buy Patrick um, Bamford, you don't need 18 million yeah. in your squad. Is if it, you wanted to buy 100, like... It's £10 equals a million. So if you wanted to, you can probably work the maths out yourself. Yeah. If you wanted to buy 100% of Patrick Bamford, then it would cost you... 180. 180. Yeah. £180. Thank you for not leaving that to me. Uh, I, knew, I knew to jump I in. I Jack would jump in because I know, you know, yeah. he's got a good mind for figures. But, yeah, we are... Yeah. Uh, yeah, for, for, for the reason that me and Andy know each other is we used to work together in, in the bookmaking sector. <laughs> so um, they don't pay me, so I don't say the name. Oh, both <laughs> publishers. Oh, nice. But yeah, uh, but yeah the, uh, we... Uh, I should say it, as well... It made buy, it appeal to me quite a lot because it's... You don't it's have to buy 100% of the, of the player either. You can buy 1% of the player. 
So you don't have to put all your money, you know, where your mouth is. There is a limit on to how much we allow people to put into the platform as well. We're not in it to try and fleece people. We're trying to give people some entertainment, you know, instead of putting £10 on a dog and the, the race is over in 40 seconds and you've lost the £10, then this is £10 that you can keep seeing returns on because that performance pay. So when Bamford scores at the weekend or whoever else, Rodrigo scores at the weekend and he earns that performance pay, that comes back into your account. So you can, that you, you're recouping your returns as it goes, mm. if you know what I mean. So say you put in £10, then when Rodrigo scores or Bamford scores or whoever scores, that performance pay comes straight back into your account. And it, and if obviously if that then builds up to over what you put in, then you're making profit and you're in, you're in the money. But it's a long-term yeah. sort of thing. That was the thing that I liked about it, the way that it, you're not just reliant on the market going up or something. Like, it's not just, oh, you buy Bamford at 18 million, he's now gone up to 20, so you can sell him. It was the, the performance pay part of it I thought was really interesting. Which you can also do. I mean, obviously, players do improve through the career. We might have to rejudge the their actual ability, which we've had to do with Melier this season. So he started this season... We weren't sure how he was going to adapt to the Premier League, but clearly he's adapting very well. And I mean, he is just the best goalkeeper in the world. And I don't think any of us saw that coming. So exactly. So and we didn't see it coming either. So you know, thankfully we only launched publicly last week. If you'd have been on, if it had been launched right at the start of the season, we had Melier priced a lot lower um, because we didn't know. And um, so Diego Jota is another example who when he started the season at Wolves, he was rated a certain way because nobody knew that he was going to move to Liverpool, which automatically gets him Champions League money. It gets him um like obviously better chance of winning football matches. And obviously he's, he's hit the ground running and scoring goals. So his rating and then therefore his price is going up quite a lot at the moment. Mm. On but, the top of your head, have you a rough idea what the difference is? Because he's 60 something now, I think, isn't he, Jar? I think I remember mm. looking at him earlier. Uh, we started the season at 35 million. 35. So if you can time something, so quite a good time to be going in is if you can, if you like one of my, my big, my first big, and I say big pick, it's not at all big. It's like, you know, 25 quid or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but my first one is based on, I think that next season, whether the club is at goes up or not, I think he'll go up to the Premier League. And that's why I thought him. You can say, uh, could you, could yeah. Oh, no, I can tell you, yeah. David Brooks. Right. Because I think he's a great player. I think if he wouldn't have had to miss a year for injury, he'd already be somewhere way up there. So he was the first oh, one I went in for. But I think from from everything I've seen so far, I'm thinking that that's going to be the best thing to look at. Spot someone who's good. Obviously, I mean, it's scouting. You're spotting someone who's good loads to go up. It's the same as it would be in real life. But I think that's the first thing that I'm trying to find is, who do I think will be a massive club in three years? Yeah, in essence, it's a scouting game. That's the whole point behind it. Like we almost we, we're still toying with kind of that kind of slogan, like the world's original scouting game. Like if you can spot someone that's going to come through and be the next superstar, and you get them early when nobody else knows about it, including us, especially us, then you know you're going to be quids in. If you just if you if Erling Haaland, for instance, he's the second highest on the platform in terms of value. If you if this game had been around two years ago, just before he signed for Dortmund, and you you knew how good he was going to be, 
then you would be, it's a bit like football index in that way mm. because that's the whole idea. Can we get in early and find someone and, you know, get the value out of them? And hopefully, you know, if you get in before us, if you know it before us, then that's that's the challenge. And I'd like to say as well, if anybody is interested, you can just play for free as well. You can go on the platform, you can write scout reports, you can get yourself up to the top of the scout leaderboard by, you know, putting in good reports. And if those players improve their value, then your scout rating will improve. And then you start maybe getting noticed by other people that are using the platform and you can follow scouts if you like them. And then us as the scout team, if you know, we can look at your scout reports and, and maybe take an interest there. So there is, you know, other things to do rather than just playing for money. You know, we're happy to go up against you in terms of money as well. But it's something for everybody on there, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, so I was just uh, I was just looking at it and thinking, yeah, I uh, I think I could see myself getting quite addicted to this. <laughs> I think obviously football manager fans will enjoy it like i think a lot of people use football manager as kind of a scouting tool and i don't think there's anything wrong with that particularly because they're using information that their scouts are giving them so as long as their scouts are good then they're getting decent information so um well it looks like you've you've earned you've earned your uh, you've earned your money by the looks of this comment anyway (laughs) (laughs) appreciate that and you know, if people are wondering like what's in it for us, like how do we make money out of this? Well, hopefully, a by being kind of more switched on and better than most of the people. I mean, Jack, you'll understand this coming from the bookmaking industry. Yeah. But there's a five percent commission on all sales, so as long as we can keep within that five percent for as many players as we possibly can do, then you know, hopefully, for me because it's my part of my job, um, <laughs> I get to stay in the job for for a little while yet. Yeah. So if anyone out there is thinking that we're, we're trying to crook people, that's completely not the case. It's kind of just you you guys against us, and it's not in our interest to not be the right price. And Jack, again, you'll know this from, yeah. from trading. Like if we have made a mistake in the first place and loads of people are piling in on you know, any player that's on the platform, then we do reserve the right to be able to adjust that price accordingly. Mm-hmm. But that means that all the people that have bought him have got a really good price on him. So they can either just sell straight away for a profit or they can hold on to them and see their, you know, their profits increase over time. So it's not a case of manipulation and it's not, and this is the problem with football index. And I don't know if either of you guys have been on football index. No, I, have I, I, I was, it was one of the things I was thinking about get trying and I never got into, I, I was just, I just popped up on my screen. Another one that I picked is Robin Gerson's at Atlanta and I've just gone one nil down at home to Midgeland. Yeah. <laughs> Robin Gerson's is very like, this is a good thing about it as well. It is kind of worldwide. So um, what I was saying about football index is that that. It seems to have been a big problem with Football Index over the last few months, and there's been a lot of discontent on there. And my portfolio is massively reduced in value because of things that I don't understand, because of market forces, because you know people don't want to buy your players, they just want to sell. So it's a lot like the stock market in that way, and, and some people enjoy that part of it. And it's to do with the media and the exposure, like Rashford's price went through the roof during the summer because he was in the papers all the time, You know, nothing to do with the football. I'm not saying that Rashford doesn't deserve to be a highly valued player because he does, but the five yards prices are exactly reflective of what we think they're going to achieve on the pitch. And they will only really change markedly 
because of things that happen on the pitch. And no one can argue that Diogo Jota isn't a more valuable player now than he was at the start of the season, I don't think. Yeah, he's a good exa- he is a good example for certain. Um, one thing that got announced earlier today and might have a bit of an effect, uh, there's new signing rules for the post-Brexit going forward. Uh, bloody, it is- bloody Brexit, raise its head again. <laughs> Here we go again. It is, um, it is roughly what people were expecting it to be. Uh, but there is no no foreign players can sign until they're 18. Uh, Premier League clubs are limited to signing three overseas under-21 players per window. Uh, but EFL clubs can sign as many overseas under-21s as they want, so long as they meet the points threshold, which gets them a governing body endorsement. So it's it's basically how it's worked for non-EU players the whole time, but it's going to be based on club appearances, international appearances, youth appearances, things like that. They, don't, they haven't released the exact specifics of what everything is worth point-wise yet. But um, what sort of effect do you see this happening? I mean, it's nice to be back in the Premier League where, oh, but we might be in for that world-class 18-year-old, <laughs> uh, which we couldn't have said for the last few years. Uh, I think it's I think it's interesting. Yeah, do you want... Uh, I, yeah, I was on. just going to let whichever one you jumped in, jump in, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, honestly, it's it's one of those things where uh, I, I do try and look at the bigger picture still, uh, you know, as much as I've kind of joked about us being out of the championship and, and not having to care about the football league anymore. You know, once when things like Project Bigger Picture got announced, you know, I do, I do like to think of, of the big picture of football on the whole and, you know, but, there is the concern that that you are still going to get, you know, the big six sort of pillaging the young players of the football league even more, and and then that you're going to see a lot of players bombed out at eighteen, nineteen once these once these foreign players can come in. Um, that that I think that's that's my biggest concern yeah. about it. My uh, my concern when I first read it was teams such as Man City that have got various feeder clubs through Europe, and I think that's going to get bigger. I think everyone's going to have them. I think that it's just going to be, if you've got a club in Belgium, if you see a 16-year-old, they're signing them and you get them on the, and you get them on the 18. They'll ju- I think it will just be a workaround. But hopefully, the one good thing out of this is it should maybe give a few more it should give some domestic players a chance to at least have that first goal at proving themselves that a lot of them never even get so uh, hopefully you know whether it's the league cup second round and they go right we're going to rotate the team at least when we pick all these 17 year old kids it'll be a load of domestic 17 year old kids and if one or two of them play well maybe they can get themselves out there uh, and yeah, I think I think what it does, what it's going to end up mean is that I suppose if you if you are signing someone from outside the UK, then they're going to be elite, or they're going to have a good chance to be elite players. So that, like I say, you can then build around them with the younger homegrown talent. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I've. I've not listened to your podcast long enough to know what happened during the Brexit times, but um, I'm obviously fully against Brexit as a concept and freedom of movement and all that sort of stuff. Oh, DL, um, don't, be, don't be bringing your opinions on air like that. 
<laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be making ten oh ones or twos of people mad. <laughs> yeah. We've done so well to hide them. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm happy to I'm happy to just put my throw a bomb in and run. Um, is what I'd like to do. Yeah. But I, I, freedom of movement of football players is is one thing that maybe people didn't consider when obviously all this was going on. And I think this does matter to a lot of people who their clubs are signing. And a lot of people who may have voted Brexit may not have thought long enough down the line that this is was inevitable. And therefore, I mean, I, I worry for a lot of scouts as well, that obviously European scouts and a part of, um, you know, big um, scouting teams that might get cut as a result of this. And so it's people's livelihoods then, and especially people who are in similar roles to myself. Yeah, well, so that's, why I, I, that's why I thought I'm definitely leaving this for when you're on, because obviously that's the field you're you're in. That's what you're trying to do. And what confuses <laughs> me is that a lot of a lot of clubs have seemed to have expanded the European operation very recently. Um, Blackburn being one of them, obviously a lot of our signings this summer have come from Europe, and maybe that was just wise to get them in there because they knew what was going to happen. But mm. um, it's going to be difficult now to understand how a lot of EFL clubs are going to be able to bring in talent from Europe that doesn't fit into this criteria. And I know there are exemptions that you can you can build cases to yeah. bring in players and you can but it costs it costs five thousand pounds to get it in front of anybody. Um yeah. so it's you've got to build a very good case to be able to be signing someone who doesn't automatically kind of fit the criteria. I'm sure as you say a lot of people will have workarounds, you know, club networks, you've mentioned it already, mm-hmm. are going to be you know, getting bigger and bigger. I think a lot of clubs will have to look in start. I don't know if Leeds are, are looking into doing something similar, but if they aren't, then they should be because they we, do have a good brand and, a, and a, obviously an international kind of board at the top that they can look into different countries, surely, and, and kind of start to build that themselves. I think that'd be a wise move. That, we that did cult, already sort cultural, of try. That cultural Leonessa team is going to be fantastic in a couple of years. <laughs> Yeah, someone tells me we might need a, a stronger one than that if we're going to do it. Um, but no, it's it's an interesting one. One thing I did wonder is, is it? Do you think it could have going back to five yards? If you have a young, talented player, but who isn't, but say they're Spanish, yeah. so they're, it's a strong national team, so it's going to be hard to break in. Mm-hmm. This. This, this could massively affect their potential destinations for a move if they're yeah. going to move up the football pyramid. So I, I just I just wonder if it's going to, like, even if it'd be a small one, I wonder if it'll have an effect on pricing. It's a long-term thing, but obviously the, the highest profile league is the Premier League and it could cut some players off from it. Yeah. Which may be a benefit to those other leagues, and you may find those leagues getting stronger, remaining stronger against the Premier League. Um, obviously, they'll still get the TV revenue at the moment, the Premier League, but if the quality of players changes, then, you know, the the TV revenue is probably going to change as well because people are going to watch the best players. Um, it definitely will affect it. And you have to remember that we're trying to map out a whole career. So a player like Ansu Fati, for instance, who's only 18, um, only just 18 as well, that's a very, very long time for us to try and project what he's going to do. If he stayed at Barcelona, then fine. That's relatively easy to work out. But like I say, the chances of some players 
maybe he's not a good example for this because he's obviously already had, I think he's had Spain caps already. Yeah, so he's, I think he's already stored as well. He'd be eligible. So um, someone underneath him who's coming up through La Masia um, may not be eligible to be able to get a move to a Premier League academy or a Premier League um, established player, uh, team. Sorry, So it will have to be taken into account and it will affect the players on there. Um, one thing I forgot to mention earlier is that you can request any player that you want in the world. So we've had people requesting their here, mates. Here was mine, and I've, I've, I'm, I've heard on Twitter this was the most asked for. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Joe Gellhart. He's been the most asked for player so far, which goes <laughs> to show that the Leeds fan base are obviously getting involved in five yards, which is great to see. Yeah. Um, but also possibly Wigan fans as well and, yeah. and other people who just recognise him as a really good talent and we've seen him playing for Leeds in the 23s and you know he's he is a player isn't he so he's someone who's going to earn a lot of performance pay I think throughout his career it's up to us to work out exactly how much and whether you agree or, or disagree with that, with what we come up with but he'll be going out on the platform on Thursday um, ahead of the transfer window on Friday mm. um, so are you allowed we, to give us are you allowed to give us this price? Oh, I don't know his price at the moment. Oh, yeah, I'll be yeah. completely honest with you. Um, I don't know his price. He's not. He's not one that I'm. I'm. I'm rating myself. We've got. A, we've got a scout team, like I say. Mm. Um, and the way that we do it is when the requests come in, um, the players are divided out between us. So we've got someone else who uh, will be taking care of Joe, and and pr- and knowing the person that it is, he's going to have a probably a pretty high opinion of him. So is we'll it see Josh how that Sorry? Is it Josh Hobbs? I couldn't possibly say. But what I do know <laughs> what I do know is that the person responsible knows him and, and likes him and how that translates into a price will be for everyone to see on Thursday. And then if you want to buy part of Joe or hundred percent of Joe, then you can do that on Friday. Yeah. Or well, if you want to submit Jack Robshaw as a possible person to go on five yards, you could do, but I'm not I I would probably take responsibility pressing Jack up and I'm not certain that you know the price would be that high hey, not, with, not with his legs these days he can, pick, he can pick a pass around but he's not got the legs on him anymore pattern of a football <laughs> just can't move <laughs> at all he's like Matt Letizio but less mobile <laughs> now um, I was gonna I mean Jack will know the, the one player I, I'd love to see and, and I dare say uh, someone we probably won't see for a little while, but in uh, Sporting Gijon's B team is uh, my football manager boy, Palayo Maria, <laughs> who, who is a, a young left winger who, uh, in my head, is still going to be the best thing since sliced bread. You ever seen As, him play, Casey? No, no, not a clue. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell his you. His pixels are sensational. Oh, <laughs> man, he, when I watch him as a 2D circle, he is yeah. brilliant. <laughs> Get him requested. Get him requested. Like, <laughs> I, there, is, I, there is a backlog at the moment because obviously it's been very popular, more popular than it was thought that it was going to be. Um, so we are kind of working through them, but like I said, there is only four, there's only a few of us on the scout team. So um, we we're trying our best to get through them. Uh, you're guaranteed to get your first one that you put in, put on within the month. So um, that's what we're kind of working towards, anyway. Yeah, uh, I, just because we haven't been mentioning the website enough, it is fiveyards.co.uk. Yep, www.fiveyards.co.uk. Does anyone yeah. use www.anymore? Uh, not. Because it gets you there, whether you put it in. Yeah, 
get to the fiveyards.co.uk. And then, like I say, you just go through the registration. You don't have to put money in to start with if you don't want to, if you want to just get a feel for it. Just go on the website, have a look through the tabs. Um, obviously, the little player icon at the top there will take you to all the players. You can filter them. There's like 400 and 450-ish going to be on there by Friday. There's already about 400 on there at the moment. But obviously, that's just going to grow and grow as more people request players to put on there. And then we're obviously constantly monitoring the players that are on there for injuries. And that's what you've got to bear in mind as well. How many times are they going to be starting games? If they're injury prone, is that the sort of player that you want to be looking at putting in your squad? So there's lots of facets to it. It's definitely go away. And, you know, if you are interested, look at it for a while before jumping in there. Or actually, what am I saying? Just jump in there and buy a lot of players. Yeah. <laughs> Without thinking about it. Yeah. yeah. Screw the food. Because with that food money, you could be buying Erling Haaland. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, to be honest, this is actually what I've heard people are spending their money on instead of feeding children. Is, is yeah, five I, yards. I believe I read in. I, I believe I read in the paper that that was one of the things. Uh, people, well, the, the, the hundreds of millions that we're creaming off the top of it will go towards uh, child, you know, food and poverty. Uh, I am assuming, of course, because you're involved. Because it's a conflict, you are not allowed to play. But if you could okay, play, yeah. but if you yeah, could no. play, is there a certain player that <laughs> you think right now is your best buy? Uh, is, it Barry, is it Barry Douglas? Barry Douglas has not made it onto the platform at the moment. There are two Blackburn Rovers players on there, Lewis Travis and Adam Armstrong. And Adam Armstrong actually might not be a bad shout um, because he's dominating the championship in terms of goal scoring at the moment. His XG is absolutely miles ahead of even Ivan Tony's. I'm just getting the uh, platform up on my phone here. And <laughs> um, so, so Adam Armstrong is one also that Ali Maxwell and George Alec highlighted and they do um, a five yard show every Friday. It's only a short one, about 15 minutes. So definitely check that out for their tips in terms of who they think would be good value on the platform as well. Um, uh, I like those, of, those of you who remember from when we were in the championship, Ali Maxwell and George Ellick are from the Not, Not the Top 20 podcast, which is excellent. And I promised I was going to listen to every week, even though we got promoted and it hadn't happened. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm still stuck listening to them. Uh, hopefully, they're not watching this, but yeah, because um, Blackburn is still in there. But Terry's Campbell's another, like, championship's quite a fertile ground for players who. Because there's a massive leap in performance pay between what you get in the Championship and what you get in the Premier League. I think it's only 30,000 per goal assist and win in the Championship. And it's 130,000 in the Premier League. So if you've got a a Championship player in your mind that you think can play for a a potential Champions League team, uh, possibly like Emiliano Buendia of Norwich, then he'd be quite an interesting investment for you. Sorry, not investment. Someone to add to your squad. Um, and again, there's lots in other leagues. If you buy someone who isn't in a performance pay league, um, let's think of an example. I, I have one in mine. Uh, Dominic Zavazlai. Exactly. Dominic Zavazlai, that is exactly who it is. Yeah. Uh, because I, I'm i thinking that probably in January he moves to one of the major leagues. Yeah, and I'll, well, I'll let you into this one because I don't think any of my bosses are listening. I was responsible for Dominic and... Um, I've factored that sort of thing in. Mm. So that, I've factored in moving into the Bundesliga, yeah. for instance, and you got quite a bit of performance pay for Bundesliga and 
for a Champions League team as well. So you've got to think about that as well in terms of what, if, if you think that he's going to move there, do we think he's going to move there? And have we factored that into his price already? Yeah, yeah be- so, because it's long-term and he's only 20, I think he's just going to go up and up from what I've seen of him. So Yeah, and what's he worth at the minute? Uh, I, know I, have five, I have 5% at 2.8, so he must be, what, 56? 56 million. On the platform, he's earned he's earned three point three million in performance pay already this season. So um, he's he's earning it in the Champions League, and he's not even playing in a performance pay league. So imagine what he'll be like when he gets into performance pay league. He'll just that'll just keep on going up. Yeah, obviously we strayed away from Leeds on this, which I knew we would. Which is fine. We're doing. Sorry, another yeah, one. I tried to keep it quietly. No, we're we're doing another one on like for on Thursday and Friday before the Chelsea game, so it's fine for us to go off topic. It's easy, and now that we do it live, it doesn't matter as much. Uh, <laughs> we can wander off off topic as much as we want. Uh, but what I was going to say is uh, the the names I, I I did pick out names, and then looked on, and Melier and Pereira were already there, which were the two that I first thought of. Uh, but Leeds-wise, what you've seen, uh, obviously there's not many on the platform now, but is there anyone in particular that you think is in the Leeds squad now and you think they're, they're a player that's going to keep going upwards and you think will be a good buy? Like Phillips will probably move upwards, but it'd also be mega expensive. Yeah, I've seen the thing about Phillips, as we've uh, heard from our good friend Graham Sinesse, is he doesn't <laughs> score goals, right? So... He doesn't get and he doesn't get many assists either because he tends yeah, to some people have complained about that with defenders and goalkeepers in particular. And obviously they aren't going to be as valuable as the forward players. But that kind of mirrors real life as well in a way, doesn't it? Mm. Um what they do have is longevity of career. So Calvin Phillips still has a you know at least a decade. Um where if you think he's going to be moving to a Champions League team, then definitely still buy him. <gasps> oh playing in the Champions League for Leeds under Bielsa. <laughs> That's <laughs> a possibility. That's uh, not completely ruled out. Um, but yeah, it's interesting because you think of all the other. You know, I'm a massive fan of Luke Ayling, but now he's what 29, 30 now, yeah. is he? And I think he's. Stuart I think Dallas he's about to turn 30. Yeah, and Stuart Dallas is just about in his 30s as well. Um, people uh, leaving the comments or tweeters or whatever, which leads players you think of the most. Jamie like Shackleton would be shot. an interesting one if he can ever Ooh. kind of get a decent run in the team. Um, there's, he, there's a couple of those now as well because I think you, you know strikers as someone breaking in. Um, I still don't know how much he'll play, but again, Leif Davis might be an interesting one to keep an eye mm. on as someone who's in and around the squad and, and Bielsa clearly likes. Yeah, Leif Davis is one of the ones that I was going to submit actually because I'm not sure that it's going to be at Leeds, but I think he's going to break through somewhere. Yeah, and that's another interesting thing, right? So, like, think about Kyle Walker Peters, for instance, who's you know twenty-two years old, sitting in third choice at Spurs. Everyone knew that he was a quality player; he just needed the chance to get it, and to be able to get that chance again in the Premier League with Southampton now, he's worth a lot more um, than he would have been if we'd have done this a couple of years ago when he was sitting in uh, Spurs's you know under twenty-three side. So, mm-hmm. like you say, those players that are hanging around the, the fringes of the lead squad might get the chances elsewhere. And in which case they probably would be worth investing in. Like I say, it's a long-term game. So. Oh, I've got, I've just thought of what, I've just thought of one more, actually. This, this would be my, my last one. Jack Clark. Mm, he's a very oh. interesting one, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. 
so, so, so we had that nice start, and then, like, like you say, if if this would have started to you know eighteen months ago, would have would have been someone that was very much on the up and up, and after his last loan spell, and you know, I think is he made his Spurs debut in the uh, Domino's, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, <laughs> Pizza <laughs> Trophy, or whatever it is these days. I think. I, th- yeah, I think he actually did play a game in Europe. Oh, nice. Uh, well, he, did make his, he did make his debut, but he'd been there about, you know, 17 months by the time it happened. And that's a word of caution, isn't it? And that's, you know, one of the reasons why I guess platforms like this can be successful for the people who own it, is that if if we'd have given you Jack Clark at, I don't know, like 12 million, say, two seasons ago when he was looking a real, real prospect for you guys, people would have been snapping their hands off and buying him for their squads. And then is he ever going to reach that potential that would have been factored into his price then? Mm. Maybe, but at the moment, no. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm, I mean, as I said, I've already signed up and got involved, but I can see but myself definitely staying involved with this. I think it's really interesting. Uh, once again, that's fiveyards.co.uk. Uh, we're coming up to an hour mark, so that's probably a decent place yeah. to call it. Um, uh, oh, God, I missed a piece of news. We got Crawley in the cup. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> uh, will, we put, will we put out a, a, a second team? Probably. We'll put cool. out a second team. One of them will play well, and I'll buy them on five yards. <laughs> uh, thanks very much for joining us, Andy Watson. On Twitter, he is at Andy Watson Sport. Uh, He's obviously doing the scouting thing with five yards, but he's also on Rovers chat, which is, is it at Rovers underscore chat? It is, yeah, at Rovers underscore chat, yeah. And um, I've got a video out at the moment with Stevie Grieve, who works for Dundee United. He's a really good tactician and coach. So the first half of that is just about a general uh, chat about tactics and um, how to prepare teams for games. It's not Rovers specific. It then goes a bit Rovers specific in the second half, but... Um, you don't have to keep on watching at that point if you don't want to. Although it still would be of interest to a lot of football fans anyway. Obviously, it it is. uh, we're a bit past the summer now, but if you go on Andy's Twitter, I dare say he's still got his big recruitment document that he put out. Yeah, it's pinned. It's pinned. For the summer, it's pinned at the top, which is, even though some of it's a bit out of time, I believe Nat Phillips was one of them and he's now playing because of all the injuries at Liverpool and stuff. But that's well worth your time. It's a fair bit of your time, but it's worth your time. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was, it was really words. Bloody hell, that's longer than my dissertation was. It's a hefty document, to be fair. Yeah, I don't know why I started doing it, but once I started, I couldn't stop. And uh, mm. yeah, this, thanks for that, Jack. Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's kind of, in a way, I suppose it's kind of helped me towards getting the job that I've got now. So yeah, thankful too- for that. It's been it's been great to see to be honest because I think especially over the last couple of years you've seen more people uh, like yourselves like you Josh Hobbs doing stuff like this and you see there's a there's a lot more outside of just Sky and BT doing doing work on on recruitment on on the tactical side of football you know you see some of the stuff that TFO Football mm. put out as well and, and there's some absolutely fantastic content there so you know I love that sort of thing and you know someone who's who's got to work in, co- in coaching and, you know, I've got to have been lucky enough to go to Ajax and, and kind of mm. talk with that, you know, have a t- presentation from them about recruitment and stuff like that. Um, seeing this sort of thing is absolutely fantastic and I can't get enough of it. Yeah. 
You see, Casey, yeah, you, mis- you mistimed it. You should have gone and looked at the Ajax Academy this summer and come back with a list of names for us. Yeah. Well, I, t- I was going to say that the one lad I put my money on, um, he's he's at uh, the Heracles at the moment, and I don't I don't think he's going to kick on quite like I, I thought he would. But he, he absolutely <laughs> he absolutely tore up an under fourteens game a few years back. <laughs> Ryan Gravenberch is an interesting one. He's on there for my ex. He's one yeah. to keep an eye on if you've not heard of him. Anyone so, who plays football manager, I was say, I have signed him before. Yeah, he's a. Uh, um, yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to be able to go back now because I even remember I text, I text a few, a few people with the uh, the team sheets of of the youth team games I kind of watched, and there were there were some there were some a few good names on there <laughs> of, pl- of players that I was like, oh, man, I, I watch children that are now playing in the Champions League. Yeah, <laughs> Such crazy. a strange thing. Well, thank you for having me on, guys. It's been uh, it's been a really good. No, no, Chat it's, it's been good to have you on. And it's been good to speak to you because I haven't spoke to you in ages. I know you've grown some fluff since the last time I saw you, to be fair. Mate, lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't really. care that much what I looked like before when I did go outside. It's, it's got worse. Still smashing the uh, cans of energy drink. Only when I've had no sleep. So, what, 40% of the days? <laughs> <laughs> But no, thanks very much for coming on, Andy. I've really, I've really enjoyed having you on. Uh, we may well, well, we'll have you on again at some point. I don't know when, when it's when it's logical, or when we ca- or when we get you in the cup. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that'd be good. We've got Doncaster at home, so ah, you should be winning that. Should be winning that. It's just a boring, another boring tie for Bob Rovers. Yeah, and then we'll draw Newcastle like we do every year. Yeah. Well, that'll do us for episode 91 of the podcast. Uh, obviously, we're at Mighty White's Pod on Twitter at mightywhitespodcast.com. The stuff that we write goes up on Through It All Together, which is at THIU, it's all LUFC, and throughitalltogether.sbnation.com. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned Rovers Chat and at Andy Watson Sport on Twitter. Is there anywhere else that you need to plug while you're here? <laughs> no, I think we've, we've said the words five yards enough for the bosses to be happy. So... All right, cool. Well, you'll you'll end up seeing it all over Twitter anyway. I know I have. <laughs> uh, Casey is waiting all the same places I do and stuff like that. So unless he has anything to add, I think we're good. Uh, no, other than uh, the, I was on a on another show last uh, last night and I was asked to plug everything, and I had absolutely no idea what to plug because you always do it. So when <laughs> I was asked when I was asked for the podcast uh, Twitter handle, I don't know. <laughs> You say it up. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but you always you always plug it. So when people ask me, I don't have a clue. Yeah. You're not there, mate. It turns out I actually don't know how to uh, how to do this. Yeah. Well, in that case, you can see us out. Uh, I've been. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, I get put under the uh, under the pressure here. Uh, so from everyone here at the Mighty Whites Podcast, myself, KC, have a good one from Jack. In a bit. And from our guest, Andy. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Have a good one.